This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, thank you everybody for coming out tonight. Uh, I see a lot of fresh faces, so I'll go through the, the uh, intro spiel. Um, this is the third Five Towns Q&A event, and I'd like to thank our panelists. Um, everybody knows who they are. They don't need any introduction, and I uh, appreciate the time that they're giving for us tonight. also want to thank Avi and Esther Wiederman for putting this together. I think it's a, a great event, and hopefully this will just grow and grow, and everybody will, will gain from it. Uh, lastly, one point I wanted to make was that this event tonight is sponsored by Lezeich Nishmas Fegebas Yosef Hillel. Um, for those of you who haven't been to the Five Towns Q&A event before, um, if you're here expecting a speech or a drasha, you'll probably be disappointed. Um, we do have questions that were submitted in advance, but I think the main uh, point that I want to convey is that this event is here to engage you guys, so we have questions, we'll look to answer them, but at the same time, please feel free to uh, engage as well, ask questions, raise your own questions. Uh, if you have another viewpoint you want to raise, please feel free to do so. In fact, that'll just improve the, the whole experience for everybody. Um, my role here tonight is uh, as a facilitator slash moderator. I'm really only here because my sister-in-law, Esther, uh, nominated me. This isn't my natural environment. Um, my role here is to keep you guys engaged, to keep the answers relatively brief at the same time uh, um, sufficient to answer the questions. Um, last time Avi had a timer up here. I don't think we're going to need to do that. I'll, I'll get it taken care of. Um, a couple of other points is that, you know, this is an informal event. Last, last time was in Avi's dining room, living room. We'll try to keep the same ambiance there. Um, as far as questions go, please feel free to ask any type of question you want, whether it be chinuch, hashkafa, uh, relationships, marriage, anything of uh, of that sort of thing that you want to have talked about, feel, feel free. We've got a broad range of experience here. I think we can handle it. We'll do our best to answer any questions that were raised. If you did send in a question and we don't cover it, please understand that there were many questions, and plus we want to keep this interactive so people will be asking questions here as well. Um, as far as the questions goes, generally speaking, the broader the question, the better. If it's a question that's... Um, Individual, In other words, if it's personal and specific to you and your situation, it'll be difficult to answer that question. And on, on the same lines, if it's a question along a halachic psak, it's probably also difficult for us to, or us, uh, the panelists, I won't be answering any questions, um, to answer it as well. Um, with that out of the way, I'll start off with one of the questions. And again, please be engaged. Okay. First question for the panel. Asel Kharav. We live in an age of rapid change from which none of us are exempt to guide us through this environment, especially those of us who interact with the world at large. It's an important thing to have yourself a Rav, a guide of sorts to attain self-knowledge, provide advice based on a, a close personal connection who can hold a mirror, so to speak, up to a Talmud when needed. To what extent? How much do you have to ask a Rav? Uh, can some things be common sense? How do we balance the need for guidance with the need to think for ourselves? And I will turn it over to the panel. Anybody want to grab onto it? All right. Pass the mic. Let Charlie take this away. Okay. I'll start. Oh. Um, 
Um, this is a really complicated topic. I think every week there's a question. I get some. I'm sure that the, the holier people to my right and left get some. People are, I think, lots of people are out there and they feel alone. And they feel like Judaism hasn't been properly integrated into their lives. They hear a speech and it's hard to figure out how to put it in. The, the way that the Kurdish Baruch may be taught when you're in elementary school and the way he, you grapple with him when you're 25 is totally different. If life is all green lights, maybe not. You get one bad life accident, if you will, and you're like, I don't, who do I what? Sometimes you hear something and you're like, that just makes no sense to me. How could that possibly be Judaism? And the challenge today is that because we live in a world where you can see people on screens, there's a downside to that, which is everyone's going to gravitate to those people that happen to be more popular on screens. I personally have a rabbi who I am blessed to be five feet from every single Shabbos, who I think is one of the most inspiring rabbis in the country. His name is Moshe Weinberger. He happens to be very popular, not only in live, but on screens. And you just... People, he goes to a wedding, and like I was like, "Hi, Rabbi, can I talk to you for a second? Like, everyone's like, "Boom, boom!" Why the Holocaust happen? He's like, you, you, "Really, right now?" Like, you know, as the Chassan, like they got him for a second, they can't let him go because they feel like they saw a clip or they heard a sheer, and as a result, they found somebody. Now, picture that times hundreds and hundreds. It becomes nearly impossible for those people that are really sharing something. So then, people feel like they're in the dark; they don't have a place to go. So, I want to share with you an approach. At the highest level of the pyramid is that person. Everybody, everybody strives for that person. And if we're, if we're Zoha in our lives to have the person that is both that which inspires us and that knows us well enough that we have, they have the time to look at us and hold up that mirror and help us navigate left and right, that's really what we're aspiring to. But you can't wait for that. What we have today is an opportunity that we've never had in the history of our people, which is almost everybody that you want to hear for the most part, of course there are those that aren't, is some way accessible in a non-live version. Which means that part, you have to look at, 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 a, at a rub in my mind as, a, as, a, as someone who, who, who carries the torch of the depth of Judaism to a level in which you feel, like I love this, like I'm in. Not like, oh my God, I have to or else I'm going to Gehenna. Or like, God's mad at me always. Fine, I'm sorry. But like, I hear what you're saying, and I'm like, I'm all in. That person, if you can find them live and live next to them, that's the apex. But you can't go from either all or nothing. You have to be on a search on your own for the collective rub that's going to fill your life. Truth is the greatest thing you can fight for. If you're sitting there and you feel something and you want to feel something, much of the information that you're going to need to know is available if you're searching for it. If you're waiting for it, it's not going to necessarily come your way. If you're lucky, you live in a small community, you live in an upstart shul, and everybody needs you, you show up, the guy's amazing, the Rebbitson's amazing, okay, you roll the dice, you win. But if you're like most, it's an active quest for the rest of your life to find the information, to find the rabbis, to find the rebbitzins, to find the books and the shurim that you attach to and then attach to them. 
And when you attach to them today, because there's so much of it, you can get so much of a Rav's hashkafa without even meeting the Rav. And what's happening is you're showing Hashem that you're not waiting for it. You're taking responsibility for your own inspiration. And your desire to learn allows the spiritual world to recognize that you're not going to be knocked down because it's harder to reach somebody today. Or because the rabbi that you want may not be available to you. But if you're, if you're willing to engage in the process of what's available to, to most, and you go down the path long enough, then when you get to a place where you're able to digest the hashkaf of somebody else, you are in a much better position to reach out to those people at a higher level. You've heard what they had to say. You, you, you know they're the one, so to speak, for you. And you're coming to them with, with, with more an adva- of an advanced relationship. It's not how I get to know me. I'm struggling in life generally. It's I've been listening to what you're saying. I've got a specific question. And your ability to, if you will, find that rub, or as one mentor told me growing up, he said to me, if you're going to wait for the rub your whole life, you may not find him, put a board together. There isn't a company in this world today that's successful. It doesn't have a board. There's a board of people around you. One's the Rabbitson that you may connect to. One's the big rabbi who you may never reach to but you speak to once in a while. One's your best friend who's five years ahead of you who's got it together. But you're constantly searching for people around you. And that collective wisdom is what's driving you. And if you, on top of all that, you're always davening for that Rebbe, for that Rebbitson, and you have the desire for it, then maybe, just maybe, when that Rebbitson comes, you'll ne- recognize it. But let me end with this. Most likely, if you find the right Rav or Rebbitson, most of what they say you're not going to want to hear. That's how you know. If you find someone to yes you in your life, they're not a Rav. The, I have my Rebbe, and I have another Rebbe that I'm close to. Most of what they tell me, I'm like, really? Can't you just say, like, I'm doing great? Like, can't you be like, pat me on the back and send me on my way? So be careful when you ask for your Rebbe, because your Rebbe is actually going to hold up a mirror. And when you have that desire to change and you're ready for it, then when that person comes in your life, they'll take advantage of it. Can I just follow up on that? So I love the board analogy, and from what I understood is your main way there is, Asel Harav doesn't mean finding one person that you're just going to go to. In today's day and age, you can have multiple people, and it may just be from a digital environment where you're listening to speeches. Asel Harav is more about finding a source of inspiration, of guidance, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a, always have to be a personal one-on-one. Yeah. With, with the caveat that that's the ideal, the ideal that we're all looking for is that human being. But all I'm suggesting is there are people that I speak to that are like zero to, to 60. I'm like searching for my rabbi. I can't find him. It's like unfair. Okay, what's on Netflix? Like, oh, I'm searching... Searching means that you're willing to do whatever it takes to do whatever it takes. Sometimes it's taking what's available, but of course the top of the pyramid is a human being that knows you and that you know and that you can connect to. If you're a Wallstein, they're like in the center of the universe. But, you know. Compliments will get you nowhere. (laughs) Here it goes. I don't fully agree. That's how we roll. Just so you understand how we roll, this is how it usually goes. I didn't say with you. Oh, oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> it doesn't say say lecha rebbe. It says say lecha rav. If if it was all about having a rebbe, it would say say lecha rebbe. It says say lecha rav. The mission pirkei is talking about something very specific, and I'm not saying what Charlie said is wrong. You you have to have a rebbe. 
Um, the, the, the girls that I deal with, if when, when they go, I just had this one, I was in Israel. A girl came to me and she wasn't sure if this is the right guy or the wrong guy. So the first question I asked him is, who's his Rebbe? Not only in any relationship, when when I was looking for a Rebbe, when I used to go to, and this Charlie knows a lot about, I used to go to Mekubalim. Um, you don't know if the Mekubal is from the dark side, from the Shadim side, or from the or the they all have beards and they look they look very from and the ones from the dark side look just the same. And the first question. My Rebbe always Rebbe Gamliel, and I said, I just met this guy. He, he knew everything about me. He, like, 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 wow, it was a magic carpet. Like, wow, he must be so Kaddish. You know, I said, ask him who his Rebbe is. And if the answer was, I don't need one, I'm doing this myself, one told me that Hashem speaks to him at night in his dreams. And Rebbe Gamliel said, right away, it's the dark side. That's not, if someone doesn't have a Rebbe, so even, even the, in the Gemara, it talks about the Rebbe was his Rebbe, he was his Rebbe. So, so, so I, I believe that the Mishnah is talking about you need a Pisic. You need a Pisic. And that's what the Mishnah is saying. Everyone needs to have a rub. Don't paskin on your, on your own. So I think that's what the Mishnah is talking about. I, I agree that, I, and I won't let a girl go out. If the boy says, I don't have a Rebbe, and this boy happened, the one that went in the situation is, he doesn't have a Rebbe. He makes all the decisions on his own. So first of all, it's a little gaiva that you don't need a coach. You're such a good ball player, you don't need a coach. Like, you don't have a Rebbe. Um, and then he didn't go to Minion and a lot of other things fell in. But, but the first question I asked, and the first question you should ask when you're looking at a resume, um, who's his Rebbe? And, 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 um, I also am very lucky to have a Rebbe. Um, I ask him a lot of the things. But I think that every person's relationship with his Rub depends on his rela- like, when my father was alive, I didn't have a Rebbe. My father was my Rebbe. And that was the relationship I had with my father. So if I, I needed a rub to paskin halacha. My father didn't paskin halacha. He wasn't a rub. But if I needed any advice in marriage, in life, and should I teach, should I not teach, what should I do, my business, or anything like that, I had a Rebbe. My father was my Rebbe. So it depends on your relationships. Your, your, your Rebbe can become your father, your leader, your spiritual leader, your friend, your therapist. Uh, it depends what you need. I, I don't think every person needs the same thing. I think the question is a very pointed question. Um, I think it's asking something else, whoever is asking this question. And that is, a husband doesn't want his wife to come home and, and have this Rebbe when he's her husband and he has his Rebbe. And it says, I say, Rav, because you have to have one Rav. Because if you're going to start asking around, you're going to get a lot of different opinions. So you got to make up, if you're, if you're davening Rabbeinu Tam, then you're davening Rabbeinu Tam. If you're davening 60 minutes, you're davening 60 minutes. You can't want, when you want Rabbeinu Tam because you need it for a hat, that you can't, you can't play between Rabbanim. One of the, one of the things that Rabbi David Cohn, um, you know, many times when I went to him to ask him Shilas, he's like, I hope you're asking me, you're not asking 100 different people because if you have other people to ask, then ask them. Because there's different rabbanim have have different socks and they have reasons. Chassidish is one has different zmanim. They have different paiskim and different and, and therefore a stelucha rav one rav that's your paisik. and that it, it does go after the husband. The, the wife can't bring her paisik against her husband's paisik. because when it comes to the halacha and the, and, and he, he has to ask his rebbe and they, and they have to agree on it. Um, if they can't agree on it, then if you have a very smart Rebbe, 
um, he'll 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 push it to like okay maybe we should go ask someone else and we should maybe have two or three rabbis him talk about it whatever it is but the rebbe if he's smart the rav if he's smart he, he'll know where to go with it I think the person who's asking the question is if there's a fight between the husband and the wife about you know the rav and the rav is saying certain he's very strict about certain things and you know there's a shul where the women's section and the men's section. So they, this rub doesn't allow them to go out the same door. So the women go out on the side of the shul, the men go on the other side of the shul, and I know the situation, and, and many of the women felt, I don't want to go to this shul. Like, why can't, you know, I, I feel like I'm almost like a stranger, like there's something wrong with me. I have to go out the other side of the shul, and you're on the other side of the shul, and then we have to, we can't walk together, we have to meet, in, like, like, so she was very upset about it. This was his rub, and that's the way the rub ran the shul. So then they have to figure out, between the two of them, I think that's what the person is asking. Like, like, how do you decide in a marriage, like, who's the rub and who you follow? Um, and that's a really good question, and I, I think that they, they got to... I would say, to if one of my Talmidim, if she's really so uncomfortable, it's, she's not going to listen to anything he says, you know, try to find someone that you're both comfortable with. But I believe the mission is talking about a Pisic, not a therapist, rabbi, friend. <clears throat> So uh, when when I was studying for smicha, one of one of the greatest pieces of advice that I heard was from a person who became a rav, and he said that his goal, his stated goal when he became a rav, was that people should say about him, "I'm going to speak to my rabbi." And instead of saying, "I'm going to speak to the rabbi or a rabbi," I'm going to speak to my rabbi. And Rabbi Wallstein is focusing on the word rav versus rebbe. I want to focus on the word lecha. I say lecha, Rav. It has to be yours. And there are various functions that a Rav could have, obviously. It could be halacha. It could be hashkafa. Um, what very often I find is that people use their Rav, if they're smart, to come two people together, which is primarily what I deal with. And, and that is, we have a question. right? I think A, my wife thinks B. And until you have a third party who comes along and says, well, right, and then able to present the sides and then everybody's able to walk out happy. They feel like they got, they got their answer, having a third party in their life. But I think the crux of the question really was, at what point can you start thinking on your own versus going ahead and asking everything to somebody else, why can't I just think on my own and make my own decisions and why do I need some guy to control my life and tell me what I need to do, and he's the one who decides, you know, everything about our lives. I'm a big boy or a big girl, and I get to decide my own life. So why do I need to go to this person for them to decide? So certain things, obviously, are halacha. And if you know halacha, you're able to answer it on your own. You don't need, you can think on your own. If you're able to, to answer, then you could go ahead, you could do that. Halacha, halacha, if you're able to paskin, you know what the halacha is, then 100% you can do that. Um, if you need help, then you, you then obviously you know hashkafically or with shalom bias, I need to go speak to somebody also. But there's an akudi here. There's a piece here. My yeshivish is acting up, by the way. Uh, so I'll try I'll try to filter this out. Um, the, uh, the yeah the 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 piece over here. When I met Charlie, by the way, for the first time, he's like, oh, so you're yeshivish from birth. Well, I never heard that before, but. <laughs> 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 I guess. 
I guess so. I'll have, I have to it was suppress. Like after the pay, it was a state where I was probably drunk <laughs> on Kosos. I have, I have to suppress these emotions. No, please, just be you. Be you. <laughs> okay. Bring it out. All right. I so it. I think that the piece over here that, that, that is important, that I think many, many, many people um, don't even realize that they're lacking in their lives, is a story that I heard from my Rabbi, Rabbi Berkowitz. He said that Reb Chaim Shmulevitz became Reb Chaim Shmulevitz. He was, he was Reb Chaim Shmulevitz. And they asked him once, how did you become so great? How did you become Reb Chaim Shmulevitz? So he said, well, I was by Reb Yeruchim, Reb Yeruchim Lulevitz. So they said, oh, you, you studied by Reb Yeruchim, so okay, so you, you, know, you have his Messairah and his Mahalach, and you understand how he thinks. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I used to watch how he used to eat soup. And I would just watch him eating soup, and that totally changed my life. And I think that that's the part that most people are missing when it comes to rabbis. They think that if I have a question, I'll bother this guy. Um, I don't want to be a bother. I don't know if I should ask this. If they don't like the answer, like Charlie said, all of a sudden it's like, eh, I don't know if I like this guy so much. You know, you, you blame your spouse, like, you're the one who schlepped us here. I don't really want to come back here. That's not, that's not what it is. What it is, is it's about learning the finer things in life from somebody who learned the finer things in life from somebody who learned the finer things in life from somebody else and goes all the way back up the chain. And one of the greatest gifts that I got when I got smicha was they, they sent around this little like card and on the card it said one, Sinai, two, Moshe Rabbeinu, three, Yoshua, four, and, when, and then it went all the way down, and then you were like the 60th name, and it was just blank. And I was like, this is where you are connected back to all these people. That's a pretty awesome gift. So I think that what most people are lacking when it comes to rabbis is they think like, oh, this guy is controlling my life. Or Rabbis are very, very, very busy people. The last thing they want is to be controlling people's lives. You know, it's, it's out of the goodness of their hearts that they make themselves available to their community. But what I think people lack is that they don't bother rabbis enough. They don't bother rabbis enough. They should be living in their houses. They should be cleaning their dishes. They should be watching their children. They should be coming over for Shabbos. They should be visiting them at night. They should go for walks with them. And when you do that, then it's a say, Rav, he's my Rav, he's my Rebbe. Then it's a totally different relationship. Totally different relationship. Then when you're, when you're having... When you're just thinking, you're able to think on your own. When you're thinking through a problem, you're able to think on your own. You're, you're thinking through, like, what's the hashkaf on this? You're like, oh, I heard my Rebbe talk about this a thousand times. I watch his reaction a thousand times. You could hear a hundred shalom bias shmuzin. You could hear a hundred chinuch shmuzin from the greatest rabbis in the world, whether it's Torah anytime or, or YouTube or whatever you want. There is nothing like sitting and watching somebody interact with their child. Somebody you look up to, you respect, you see it in their eyes, you're just like, wow, that kiss Friday night that the father gave his son, that, that's a thousand schmoozin for you. You don't need a thousand schmoozin. You don't need a thousand very inspirational clips with background music, you know, dun 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 dun, oh, that's how you should do it. No, you don't need that. You need to live in people's houses that are, that you want to aspire to be like them because you appreciate how they live their lives and you connect to that, then when you're thinking on your own, you're actually thinking in the right way. A lot of people want to think on their own because they don't like what somebody's pushing them to do. Why can't I think on my own? You have your opinion and I have my opinion. And I always say that when you're asking an opinion of a rabbi, you're not asking an opinion. Rabbis don't take polls. 
Like, you know, oh, Rabbi, I got a question. He gives you his answer, and you go like, oh, that's really nice. Okay, great. I'm going to chalk you down as being yay. I'm now going to go to six other rabbis and see what they say, and then I'll put together, you know, like the majority. That's not how it works. When a rabbi tells you something, a rav, your rav tells you something, that should be accepted to you like, wow, I, I, it's hard for me. And you could obviously have a conversation, but that should be something that you're able to accept. That say lecha rav is this is mine. I'm going to own it, even when it's difficult for me. And because this person knows me a little bit better than I know myself. And I'm able to go along with what they're saying because he's mine. He's mine, I'm his. That's the relationship that I think is supposed to be built. Well, I tell you a very short story, Rabbi Gamliel, my Rebbe. And he's my Rebbe. And Baruch Hashem, me and my wife are on the same. Whatever he says, we both accept. So it's not like, and she has asked him questions, and I wasn't happy with his answer. And I accepted it, and vice versa. I have to tell you a story with him. So he gives a Chabura every Thursday night for Mir Yeshiva boys. One day, they asked him, um, a bunch of guys... They're dating. Could you give a chabura on Shalom Bias? I know this story for a fact. So he said, okay, there's like 40 guys. He said, tomorrow, I'll give a chabura Friday, Erev Shabbos, at 11 o'clock. Everyone's like, you giving a chabura on Shalom Bias, right? It's a true story, and I've seen it many times. They come into his house, little apartment, and Rabbi Gamliel, his pants rolled up to his like knees, is sponging... The kitchen. When I sponge in Israel, they sponge. And he's sponging and the guys are like, when's the Rebbe giving the shear? And he says, have a good Shabbos. This is the shear. That was his whole thing. <laughs> Rabbi Gamliel sponges the kitchen and the porch. Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Navitz, the Rosh Hashiva of Shari Shemayim of Mukubalim, sponges the porch to this day every Friday. So when I see that, like, like, like the like the rabbi saying over there. When you see that he was he was drinking soup, I'm watching my rabbi, and I'm like, I'll do it, I'll do it. He goes, This is what I do. This is my shalom bayat. This is my shabbos. So that's what you can learn from your rabbim, and then they become from their becoming a rov, they become your rabbi. So I'm not a panelist, but I just had a, an insight into the answers here. No one focused on the word say as opposed to kach. Right? Meaning that there is a level of effort on your part that's required yeah. to make and develop that relationship. Just yeah. popped yeah. in my head. Kai right just throws something out there. When I, when, I, when I was learning in Eretz Yisrael, there was a Rav that I, I desperately wanted to get close with. And the first thing he said to me was, I don't have a lot of time. And I said, that's great. That is great. <laughs> because if you had a lot of time... I wouldn't want to get very close with you, right? Because I'm very happy that you don't have a lot of time. So that's that's a good start. So he's like, well, I'd, I'd love to learn with you and teach you and whatever, but I really just don't, I just, there's no time in the day. I said, that's, that's perfect. So you just let me know when you have any time and we'll make it happen. He's like, no, you don't understand. There's really no time. I said, listen, you walk from your house to yeshiva? Yeah, that's my time. Okay, you walk from yeshiva to your house? Yeah, that's my time. Okay, you, you, you need to take a bus to a wedding? Yeah, okay, that's my time. You go to the Kosa once a week? Yeah, that's my time. I, I, I was like, all those times that you have no time, that's my time. And then it was years, and it's still going on. It's, you know, over a decade now of that's my time. And now he makes a little time for me, Baruch Hashem, because we've developed that relationship. That was, that was how it started. And there were times I would call him. I'd be 20 minutes away. He's like, yeah, I'm going for a two-minute walk. And I'd be like, okay, just give me two seconds. And I would like literally bolt down the street to get to his house 
to take him on a two-minute walk just to have that little time with him. <laughs> Listen, Rabbi, I would do it for you too. By the way, I wanted to say something. There was one, there's been a couple times. No, let me, I want to say this in public. There were a couple times where Rabbi Wallerstein called me during the day and I have a, quite a busy life. And I, I have different things that are booked up. And I'm like, Rabbi, is this? he's like, I need you at a meeting in a half hour. I'm like, is this, is this really important? He's like, yeah, absolutely. I, I would cancel meetings or rearrange my day or do whatever it was because I have tremendous respect for the rabbi. And if, he, if it's worth his time, it's going to be worth my time. I think you're, you're 100% right. That, the word I say is there's a commitment and a dedication and I like to say a perspiration. You're, you're going to sweat it out. You're going to run there to make sure that those two minutes count. Because if you want to change your life, you want to get close to people who, who it's worth it. It's, it's 100% worth it. That's the greatest investment you could do. You're investing in yourself at that, at that moment. So 100%. How would, you, how would you explain the second part? It's different. It's very different. friend, the mission says... Yeah, to acquire a friend. Acquire something. You, so the, the, it doesn't say I say. It doesn't say you should. It says, right. I think the, if if the focus here is on the idea of thinking for yourself versus having a rabbi in your life, having a rav in your life, having a rebbe in your life, it, it should it should not be easy. The people who have a lot of time for you are probably not the people that you want to be very, getting very close with. And, and I want to just throw something else out also. There are some people who have a lot of... Yeah, we'll switch over. I think a lot of people have... Um, their Rebbe is long gone. They're, they passed away generations ago. <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily works, even though the tzaddikim never die. I think you need to have somebody actively alive in your life. I think that's uh, a pretty much a given. And some people will disagree with that, but I think that that's a very important you know, piece over here. Your Rebbe has to be somebody that you relate to, that, that he's available to you. But I think the idea of having somebody on an ongoing basis, it's, it's an invaluable part of everybody's life. Charlie feels that you watch it on video, you feel that they could... Yeah, watching on video... I think that watching on video... No, I'm sure people can't... You can, people come to me and they're like... You know, you changed my life. I'm like, I don't know you. No, it's and they're like, I, I, watch, I, I watch think what you're saying is great. Could we agree that those are the breadcrumbs to, to having a real relationship with people? Yeah, I'm, all I'm suggesting is Charlie did mention the top of the paragraph. Yeah, that's right. what I'm yeah. saying. I, I'm I don't want I don't want him to walk away and be like, if I can't follow, I, I think what you're saying is right. I think you happen to be a incredibly unique individual, and there are not a lot of people like you. And I don't know if most people here will will tell the rabbi the walk to the thing is my time. I I'll, my, I'll be like okay sure see ya like I, I, like you're the rabbi like maybe I'm maybe I'm smarty that way that like you know can I get you a cup of tea like we're good like I, you know what I'm saying like I, I I and and I think that's why you're so successful Latova is because you 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 pull that off I just want anyone here to think that if you're not going to pull that off you can't be nana from the chachma of what's available today that's the top of the pyramid go for it if you're that type rock and roll. If you're the type of the rabbi that's like, I have no time, you're like, okay, thanks, rabbi, I appreciate you even talking on the phone. Then you don't just stop. you gotta, you got to fight for what's available today. And you're right. If you find the one that you think is yours, and you can, and you have that Aziz Likadusha... It's worth anything. It's 100%. And if you can see somebody sponging... Right, what happened? He's only... He's only one. Now the next guy that wants to go to the coastal and, and get on the... He I can't. Get in line, so, buddy. 
I'm saying, right. So you <laughs> can't, can't, can't. You, 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 you have to. I think my personal, my Rebbe, like I said, my Rebbe, I can tell you most people, if they took the time to listen to his shiurim on a regular basis, they would get so much from him. But they call and they go, can you hook me up? I'm like, sure, the rabbi's got nothing to do but to have you roll in because you didn't take the time to listen to his shiurim. So now he's got to roll in and start from scratch. Right. So that's what I'm saying. That right. don't. But halacha, you got to ask. Yeah. For sure. You can't try to yeah, figure it out. From the more you ask, the better. I think we All should right. go to the crowd. Let's yes. see what, what, what you guys want to talk about. So does anybody have any questions on this particular topic or any other questions or, again, anything? Yeah. There we go. That's, that's what you're saying. No, that's what you're saying. But, Absolutely. Did you go to seminary? Did you go to seminary? Do you have, do you have any Reb anybody from there? Israel? Oh, right. Okay. That's why I You start? But And your husband's rabbi? Your husband's rabbi? My father's my own father's rabbi. Can I, can I give you just one bit of suggestion? I, yeah. I agree with you, but I, I think, like I said, I think there's so much you can gain from what's available. If you're in social media, what I would suggest is if you find someone on social media that you like, right. take the time to hear the entire class. Right. It's so important to hear that bit. I, listen, you know, there's a, there's a guy, it's a non-Jewish guy, but he was a, in his way, he was a Gadol Hador. His name is Zig Ziglar. I'm hearing Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar. Was a Gadol Hador. He passed away. <laughs> so he had a line. He said, inspiration. People say, like, you're inspired, but what'd you do with it? Right? That's a big, that's a big, like, comment. Which is true. But he says, inspiration is like showering. It's so important, you gotta do it every single day. I'm saying, like, if you're not inspiring yourself every day, yeah, you gotta take action, but you don't not, ins- like, so there are people out there there's no excuse to not find something inspiring every day. There's no, like, those days are over. And if it's in your, if you, if, if, and like my wife is on a lot of these, these chats that are inspiring chats. And they're gishmak. And you go through your day, and four, five, six times a day, you're getting small things that, 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 that elevate your heart. There's value there. If I can give you a, a suggestion that I try for myself, is if you find something that you like, if you hear a speaker, and you're like, or, oh my gosh, that person... Take the time to go to the actual hour-long class that, that it, was, it was extracted from. Because the, you want to get to the chachma of it. You know what I'm saying? You want to be able to get into the chachma of why something was inspiring so that you can understand the thinking of how they see the world. When you have a Rebbe, like, like I, I'll go back to mine, You're, there is a certain cadence that builds with somebody who you hear. It's like, a, it's like your parents. You, you start, if those of you who are, who, you, as you get older, you say the things your parents say. Because your brain is neuroplastic and the way it works basically is the more you hear, the more it gets built into your mind. If you, if you, if you connect yourself to hearing things that are inspiring, but that are more than just a clip, but that are the actual classes, you start over time to think like the person that you're watching. Right? And I'm not saying it's going to replace the top of the pyramid. And I'm, not ask, and I'm not saying, I agree with you. And I agree with you, by the way. Rabbis want you to call more than you think. They, 
We just don't answer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, it, and I got to tell you honestly, like I'll tell you, I, I spend most of my life in the business world. Like I'm sitting somewhere, I'm on an airplane, and like the co- the coffee comes in, or like I check, but I didn't check, and I'm like, ah, oh, I, I want to eat this or, do, and I'm like, I, it's, it's totally fine. It's all, like in my head, like I, and I'm like, what? And I pick up the phone and I call the rapper, and it's like at that moment, like you're like, I got it, but you're like, no, I don't got it because I'm biased, <laughs> and I, I want to ask the rapper. And I was like, thanks for calling, you can't eat it. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have called you in the first place. <laughs> no, I don't say that. <laughs> like. Meaning, like, there's a sense of you have to really break yourself to say, I know nothing. Because the truth is, at the end of the day, even if you know something, you're biased to what you think you know, so you know nothing with your life because you're biased. But, so the halach, I'm 100%, I agree. But what I want to get to, and I want to make sure everybody gets, is that when you hear people speak, you get into them. And it's important that you start to think like the people that inspire you. It's important that you. And, and, and if it's not in your, your immediate circle, it's out there. And the more you delve into the longer talks and you take the time and you sit and you watch or you listen again and again and again and again, the more it doesn't just give you like an insight. What it does is it starts to reshape your mind. And that's how you know you're getting up the, up the pyramid. If a person is not allowed to say witness, right, it, on, on a relative, because it's something called no gay abedavra. Since it's my relative, I cannot, I cannot look at it yeah. clearly. There's no one that's a closer relative to yourself than you. So you're not going to make the right judgment because there's no one, no gabadava, there's no one closer to you than you, and you know what you want. So you got to reach out, like he reached out to his Rebbe, you got to reach out, and even though, you know, you have to break your guy for a little bit, you know, yourself, and yeah, you got to say, Rabbi, even though, like, I I think I know what to do, but I I need your help, because I cannot pass for myself. Of course, there's not a lot of passion for himself. Could I just address your question for 10 seconds and then we'll go on? Just the idea of social media, um, social media inspiration. I, I'm, totally, I'm totally in agreement here. I, I don't want to beat this horse to death. <laughs> but <laughs> just to, um, I think we have to ask our rabbis about this, but I, <laughs> my point is, is, is when, when you should always live a long, good, healthy life with your husband and always have shalom and bracha and everything good. If, however, somebody were to have a question, and you then go to somebody to ask. They have to get to know you. Yeah. They have to understand you. They have to know your personality. I, I met with somebody recently, and they asked me what I thought. And it was the first time I had a conversation with them. I said, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I don't know you. And I could sometimes be a little bit sharp and straight to the point, especially on something that I feel very passionate about. But I don't know if you're going to accept it from me. So it was great to know you for the first time, and now you'll come back like a few more times, and then I'll slowly ease you into my school of thought. But somebody else who I know very well, I'll tell them straight up, like I had somebody call me recently about a certain shidduch, and I said, after like 10 seconds, I was like, just take it behind the barn and shoot it in the head. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, it, it's over, it's death, it's over. Nothing to talk about, you're not getting married, like, you're not getting married. this shidduch is over, there's nothing to talk about. Because I knew that person, I, you could just say it. When you don't, when your rav doesn't know you, you don't know your rav. It takes time. So my suggestion is, besides for listening to the hour-long class and listen to their next class and their next class, getting to know their ashkafa, 
Let them get to know you. Form a relationship with somebody. And even if you send them an email once a month, hey, Rabbi, how are you? I want to update you about my life. You know, here's a picture of my kids. I want to give you a call every once in a blue moon. Don't be fanatical, let's say, like me, because I'm a little bit crazy like that. So don't be so crazy. Don't walk them to the bus stop, because they don't want you to follow them. But, but having that relationship will, in the long run, if, if you should ever need it, it will, it will serve you really good, because they know that you could call them for five minutes and have a really purposeful, meaningful conversation, rather than, hi, my name is Shira, I live here, you don't know me very well. They don't. They're going to be very careful with what they say to you. They're not going to be sure how you're going to accept it. A lot of times people call and, and, and you're like, uh, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who I'm talking to. Right? How often do you have that? You're like, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. And you're like, I can't be fully open with you because I don't know how you're going to take this line or this comment or whatever the case may be. Having that relationship is, you want to call it the apex? It is the apex. It's something I believe every person should and could strive for. We, we live in a time today, I'm saying, you have so many, so many rabbis, you used to have the rub of the city. I'm saying, today you have so many people that are accessible that you should be, you should be pushing that. No, you should be pushing it. I have to tell you, we're not so accessible, we're so over our heads. It's not. There's, there's a lot of people sitting in this room that try to reach Rabbi Wallerstein. They're probably upset at me. And it's not because I don't care. It's because I, 60 phone calls an hour and, 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 and a flip phone. Um, and, and it's very, very hard. People get very upset. It's, it's, it's very nice what we're saying here tonight. But I would feel very bad if someone here said, you know what, you guys are right. Because I, I'm not a social media guy, if you know anything about me. Um, and um, I was Daenerys Yisrael now. He needs WhatsApp. No, no. The voice notes are so powerful on WhatsApp. Just letting you know. Not that you should get it, God forbid. I'm not letting you know. I'm not suggesting that I'm a Wallace to WhatsApp. But just maybe. I was Daenerys Yisrael, and I'm learning the daf. And I didn't have someone to teach me the daf. So my brother-in-law, Moishi Elephant, was like one of the number one daf Yomi speakers for the OU. So I watched him. And then I came back this morning, and I went back to my Dafyami share. And the guy is sitting there, the Rebbe, and all the guys, and the coffee, and, and the questions, and the answers. And there's no comparison. There's no comparison to, to being live and to being on social media. The, the, the breakdown of communication between husband and wives, and any, any relationship, it's a Selecha Rav. A Selecha Rav is a relationship. It's not a Selecha Twitter. Right, a, a Rav is a relationship. Watching a sheer on, 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 I have so many compliments. People come over to me like, my Wallace, you changed my life. I have no idea who they are. I listen to your sheer. I know, who, I know when you were born. I know your problems. I, I know everything <laughs> about you. You talk about everything. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, but I don't know you. I don't say that. But in my heart, I'm like, I don't know you. But there are girls in this room that I know very, very well because I was their Rebbe or they were in my seminar or whatever it is. It's a very different relationship. And I don't want anyone to think that you could get a relationship online. That's, it's a bluff. It's not real. A real relationship is a human being talking to another human being and being in a sheer, sitting in a sheer. Of course, meaningful minute. What do you guys have? Or any time, the three minutes. What? Daily dose, a meaningful minute, and it gives a lot of. It's a good punch, but it's not your Rebbe. I, I think that you need it. You know, I know. I, there's a rub that that is the candy man in the shul. I, when I saw this, I was like, it's so belittling. He sits with a big bag, rub that I know, and all the little kids come and he gives them lollipops by davening. And I'm like, every shul has a candy man. So I went over to him after shul and I said, I'll be the candy man. I'm like, why, why are you the candy man? He 
He said, because kids grow up, they don't like the rabbi because all he does is give speeches and then they have to sit there and then davening's 20 minutes longer. He said, I want kids to get used to that the Rav is a good guy that gives out candy. So when they grow up, they won't have a fear of coming to the rabbi. It's a relationship. That, I, that's what the mission is talking about, not social media. The mission is not talking about social media. It's talking about a relationship. Please. You're saying that listening to a class, you're saying that listening to a class, it affects you the same way less listening to music. It's true, but it definitely when, affects you, but it doesn't create a relationship. Right. When you listen to effect. A, when you listen to a rapper, the rapper doesn't become your Rebbe. Right. Right. But it affects you. You listen to a share, yeah, it affects right. you. Right. I, I agree with you. Positive, it does affect. It's not the end. No, the she's asking you a question. I gave a class. I yeah. said music affects you when you listen to music. It affects you. So she's like, okay, so if I'm listening to a share, it affects me. Yeah, it's so not it's, the angle. We could but but when you listen to the rapper. You don't have a relationship with him. We're trying to develop a sailor We're trying yeah. to develop a relationship with the Rebbe, with the Rav. So, so it doesn't create that. It creates an effect. People get from people get very religious. People change their whole lives from listening to a daily dose or, or a meaningful minute or listening to Shirim online. Listen, I you know we have Shirim online, one hundred percent. But but it, it, it'll, it does it change them in the way? Do they have? Do they now have a Rav? In the way of having a personal rub, someone you could go to, it's not the same. So I just Again, if you don't have one, then you should do the best you can. 100%. I just want to distinguish between two things and then go back to the to the audience. Um, there's inspiration and there's guidance, right? We're covering kind of both. Inspiration can come really from anywhere, and guidance can only come from somebody who knows you, right? right? So there's a distinction disti- uh, a distinction there that we should all. Um, uh, does anybody have any thoughts to share on this topic? Experiences? It's a quiet crowd. Last time was very noisy. Yeah, or a new question. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get to a new topic. Okay. Um, we'll go to another. We'll go. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I think there's also a distinction between what women are willing to go before a rabbi and what men are willing to go to a rabbi. I think that as well plays a big part. Mm-hmm. For sure. Bizarre. Sure. <coughs> All right. I'm going to. Do women ever say, like, why do you have to go to that rabbi? You're my man. You, you, you know, like, so I, you're a wimp if you're going to the rabbi. Make a decision. I'm, I'm the exception to the rule because I happen to work with big class. So Very, very often, but I have a lot of women who call me on an almost daily basis to ask me to call a rabbi for that. Because yeah. they're not, right. Right. it's uncomfortable. Not, not comfortable. Not comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Um, going back to the submitted questions, I'll. Wait, we have a question in the back. Oh, I'm sorry. Apologies. What, so just to repeat the question, what do you do if you haven't been able to find a rub? Keep looking. 
I'm sorry, what was the last thing you said? If you are, if you are in a marriage relationship, can it work if you don't have a love? Can you be married without a robe and and it works? Are you asking me? No, that's what you're asking. Can you be married without a robe and be successful? Who's postulating your laws, your questions, your dishes you mixed up, whatever you did? Like, who's, who's answering those questions? You don't have anyone. You have to. You, it's you critical. Have to. Yeah. You have to have someone. You can't trust it's yourself. To, to, when it co- there's two different distinctions here. We're, 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 this is like a. I hope this doesn't become an entire talk about making a rub. I feel like we're going in that direction though. <laughs> Too late. Um, so let's just like make it. Let's just sort of like try to pull the threads apart, right? We've got inspiration. We've got guidance. We've got hoskening. We've got uh, hashkafa. So, in this silo here, we built called hoskening shilas. It's impossible, in my humble opinion, for anybody to go through life as a religious Jew without someone to call to ask Shilas to. And even if they know everything, it's not because they don't, they don't know it, it's because the, bo- the cognitive bias to self is so strong that you, you, can't, you can't know you're doing the right thing until there's somebody else in one's life that they may need to ask those questions. That is, in my personal opinion, as fundamental as Having a mikvah, in the, I mean, not halachically. I'm not, I'm not making a halachic decision based on what gets built first. I'm saying, in my humble opinion, as fundamental as having a mikvah and having a shul and having a kosher store is having a rabbi to ask shilas to. You cannot. Who do you tra- tell your chametz to? But, you gotta be a rabbi. You tell your chametz to a rabbi. Ask him. It depends on the shilah, right? It depends on. The, so, so there are some where if you're asking these mixed questions. Of hashkafic halacha questions, you need to have someone that knows you. Even halacha, but even in, in, even halacha, hundred percent. Yeah. Even but halacha, it, certain certain people will machma for, some certain people will makel for, hundred percent. But if you don't have that person, you still need to get that person. Is what I'm saying, right? If you can't say, I don't have a rabbi that knows me, so until I develop a relationship with a rabbi that knows me, I'm not asking. I'm not asking call. a shiloh. They're all best that you can call to ask right. a shiloh. They don't know you. One it's of the black great things, I gotta tell you it's something. One of the great things that Five Towns has done is they have these, this, this in Farakaway, they started this thing, um, <laughs> unbelievable, right? I think it's, I don't know about you, I, I, I think it's genius. And, and women use it all the time, right? They don't feel as comfortable, and as a result, there's more, there's more Shilas being poskin now than before, and the rabbi's looking at it totally blank. But, right, but, so saying at the very, we're, That's how we're, we're building an emotional crowd. You're asking, my dishes fell into this fell into that. What's the law? Right. I have. Yeah. I bought something ingredient. Critical. It doesn't have. What's the law? Really they don't. They don't the know you. It's, it's not, not the level we're no. talking about. No. No. This is no. the basic. No. This is the basic. basic. You must have it now. At, as you build to the higher levels, you got to get to a higher level. And I think to remember you ask an Eskies kosher in a Bezdin, they have no idea who you are. They look yeah. at the Eskies. They tell you yes or no. The guy who checks in mezuzahs, he doesn't know you. He's he does not different. How much is that? You should be able to. Yeah. Okay, next question, okay. next topic, somebody. Next topic. This is going to be uh, a short one. Hopefully oh, we'll we'll limit the answers. I'm sorry? We go to the crowd first? No? Um, for a new question or yeah. on this one? Let's new question. Let's just this out. Oh, you want to go into the thing? Crowd questions. You want to go to... Okay, well, you want to go to those first? We're not limited to this, so Avi, feel free. <laughs> All right. All right. Which one was yours? Can we go to that one? <laughs> so this is a, uh, a popular question. It's been okay. put in a few times. I'm going to winnow it down because most of the question is 
is halachic in nature, and this is around Sneas and various aspects of Sneas. Wonderful. Three I guys will, sitting up here. <laughs> I will... Let's, let's ask Sneas' question to... A, that, I this will, makes uh, perfect sense. Narrow it down. We hear, <laughs> we being the submitter, I don't hear much about it, uh, about the concept of Bas Yisrael, and we're a Bas Melech, um, and that's the, the main uh, 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 oh, reason for Sneas. Can you break down or provide a novel idea about Sneas and uh, something for the the uh, the audience? I'm avoiding the, <laughs> the uh, actual other questions. questions. <laughs> I'll, go I'll go first. I'll go first. Though, though I'd like to plead the fifth, but I'll go first. You're entitled. <laughs> Unless you want to go. No, first. no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Rabbi. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And then the, the, the people, you can't disagree with me afterwards. <laughs> okay, I'll just say one thing about Sneas. Somehow women think that Sneas is solely for the guys around the woman. The reason why a woman is Sneas is because there are guys around her. I'm not arguing on every reason for Sneas. Stay with me. And and just what I'm, 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 I'm treading, I'm treading. <laughs> but I want, but I want. If we could do this together, I want you to stay in my words as carefully as you can. I am not suggesting every reason for Tznias. What I am suggesting is, if you ask someone to the primary reason for Tznias, not the only. Everyone with me so far? The prime. It's because if you dress a certain way. Somebody outside will see you, and they will something will happen that is wrong, and therefore you are the object of someone else's sinful thought. To me, if I if someone asks me a Tzniyas question, usually that's their primary reason for Tzniyas. Maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you haven't heard that. That's what I've heard. Let me say the following. In my opinion, Tzniyas is not for, and I don't mean Tzniyas just for women now. Let's expand it. Because there's plenty of Tznias stuff for guys. There's plenty of Tznias stuff for couples. How you spend your money is Tznias. How you, what, everything we do circles around Tznias. It's not just a length of clothing. It is a lifestyle. And there's a lot that we can do to bastardize the concept of Tznias and be straight within halacha. Wait, let me just finish, and then I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this. This is what I'm here for, right? I'm, I'll step out, and then I'm happy if someone wants to take a shot. Sneas is less for the people around you, and it is more for the person themselves. You are not how you look. Period. And if you think society doesn't believe that, you're wrong. The goal of the entire market is to teach somebody you are how you look. Your value in this world is connected to your outside appearance. You get a pop in life. If you look close to so many TV screens, this is where beautiful people live. And the closer you get to the screen, the, you get, a, a, you get a, a bonus in life for that. And if you buy into that, your personal net worth is connected to your outward exposure. If you believe that, you're going to live your life and you will not be able to access the level of joy that God has for you. If you think 
10% of your value is connected to how good you look. Look beautiful. The base of Middash was gorgeous. Kal Yisrael isn't like, hey, it's holy. Let's stick it in the back of a shul behind like a bunch of rags. Usually the people that were holy in Kal Yisrael looked really good. The Kohen Gadol, who was the holiest guy alive, did not wear last month's thought. He wore beautiful clothing. The idea of beauty is very different than the idea of being unsneeze. Unsneeze means I need for you to see me because part of what I value is connected to is how I look. I walk into a room, I know I look beautiful. If you don't tell me I look nice, I go home and go, do I look nice tonight? That whole, I walk into a school, I walk into a place, I look for someone to marry, and number number one through number and number nine out of my top ten is, but really, how does she look? Because what I really care about is how it looks on the outside. And this doesn't just apply to money, to, 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 to clothing. It applies to money, how people spend money that they don't have necessarily. And sometimes there's cases where Okay, the kids, sometimes it's because how can I not do that? How can I not appear to have this? It's my net worth. Sometimes it comes with careers. I know people that they, they, their company was downsized. They're brilliant. They're brilliant. They can't make a move. You know why they can't make a move? Because I am a, I am a, I'm a banker, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor. My connection is how I am perceived on the outside. So when you look at Sneas, I want you to understand that the greatest thing we each can have in life is to wake up in the morning and have our self-worth and be connected entirely to our soul. Because when you have that, you walk through walls. And I believe in my core the conversation of that Sneas, if it if it ends up becoming, but he's going to, and he it ends up becoming like, really, I gotta like live my life because of a bunch of guys that can't not look over the, to the women's section? I'm not saying that may not be a reason. But the primary reason I believe for Sneas is because of the Kodesh Baruch Hu is doing is he is conditioning his people to be bigger than this world. He's saying, for you to be my people, you cannot be stuck into a world of how you look. And I need you to get that in your head every second of your life. And if you go into the heart of a real person who's working on themselves and you compare them to someone who's on the street, they're not the same human being. And one of the great reasons why is because they are not connecting their self-value based on the opinions of somebody else. That is the core of the beginning of greatness. I believe if that's what drove our Tzniah's conversations, I think we'd see it in a different light. Okay. Can I play devil's advocate over here? Yeah, and then the question comes here. I'll step yeah. in my role here okay. a little bit and then we'll go there. All right. Not to diminish any of the collective aspect of Sneas and modesty and, and self-worth, but I think the question here uh, was you can't argue about the fact that the halakas of Sneas, the, the discussions of Sneas, the, you know, they're not giving Sneas classes in, in the boys' schools. They're giving it in the girls' schools. The halakas of Sneas are way, way more uh, prevalent for girls than they are for boys. So I think the question there, and I'm curious myself, is um, is it that because, does that tie into what you were saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, how? Well, why do you have way more for girls than for guys? I have, a, I have a, I don't know if it's online, but I have an hour class on this that I don't think I could do in five minutes. I'll make sure I don't listen to the WhatsApp yeah. version. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the WhatsApp version. I, I, 
there's I'm sorry to say this today because I, I don't think you're allowed to say that men and women are different anymore. That's out, right? Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that men and women are different? Could that, is that okay now? They happen to be different. And they happen, Nashim and an Isha and a Zachar and the connection they have in their lives to how one looks happens, in my opinion, to be different. Just how it is. It's just, it's just life. And it may not be like in concert with like how, how you're allowed to say things out loud about like everyone's exactly the same. But I don't think that's true. I think that men and women are different. Again, once you get into this game, now you go into the world of like, but here's an example. I'm not going into examples. I just want to give a clow. And the clow is, one, focus the Tzniya's conversation on what the impact is, and it'll drive a lot of the understandings of what the what the what what the Torah is asking of somebody, and just forget the halacha for a second. Just forget halacha for one second because we're not passing halacha here. And also forget schools. Forget why they teach. They don't teach amuna enough in school. I don't know. They, I can, we can go talk forever about schools, right? They, I think schools should be teaching like financial health so people can actually stay, get married and actually have money in, in their bankrupt to five years. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on that I think if someone handed me a curriculum and said, what do you think? I would, I would opine, but no one has done that yet. Maybe Rabbi will, maybe will hook me up after this. But, but I just, what I'm trying to give is a perspective to look at your questions through that lens. And if you look at it through the lens of that, there's something that they're driving here that is towards the level of greatness of who I am, I think it will answer certain questions that people have about what is and what isn't me. And then I want to specifically expand it because we get lost in Sneas and we say, well, Sneas is only these four halachas for these, for, for this and not, and then all the rest of it gets lost, which is part and parcel of the same value that I believe Hashem is giving people is this concept of training oneself to change your value to who you are versus what you have and how you look. Can I, can I, quick, before your question, can I, can I jump in on this? Okay, maybe you'll have two questions or maybe you'll have no questions. Okay, well, we're going double or nothing here. So, Charlie, that was exceedingly brave. <laughs> and, and we know um, from history, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times when we do these Q&A panels about, uh, about Sneas, they're Baruch Hashem on Shabbos. So, <laughs> which is so good. Always go to speeches on Shabbos, by the way, because it's rabbis unplugged, and they say things there that they'll just deny later on. So, so I, I was very fortunate to learn by Rabbi Yusuf Berkowitz, who I think the, the brilliance of Rabbi Berkowitz is that he takes ideas that you think you already knew, like you put them to bed already, and he's like, oh, you, 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 had, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And he explains them in, in such brilliance and such a clarity that it just changes your whole perspective. So I, I, I want to lay out, and I can't obviously do a good a job as, as, as he will, but, but the machshava here I hope has an impact, and I hope that I hope that your question will go away. I, meaning, whatever you're, whatever's bothering you, I hope that it will settle this to a degree. And again, we won't go into the halachas. But just from a, from a 35,000 foot view. If you ask most people, where does it talk about tzniyas? In the Shulchan Aruch. There's four parts of the Shulchan Aruch. Most people would probably say that it's somewhere in Ebenezer, which deals with a lot of these laws. But it's not true. There's a very interesting halacha 
The second simon in the whole Shulchan Aruch says a very interesting halacha that everybody here has heard and probably nobody here has ever practiced. It says, when you get up in the morning, you're supposed to get up, everybody knows that, right? So that maybe some people here do, right? You get up in the morning, jump out of bed, seize the day, beautiful. And then it says, when you get up, you should get dressed underneath your blankets. Everybody heard this when you were in school, maybe sometime? No, never heard it? Okay, well, shocker, it's the Machaber, and the Machaber says, Shulchan Aruch says, when you get up, you should get dressed underneath your blankets. But Al Yoimar, and don't say, I'm underneath my blankets, right? Or I'm in my own house, I could do whatever I want. I'm in my own room, nobody's around, I could walk around however I want. Don't do that. Get dressed underneath your blankets. So this way, he says, when you get out of, out of the blankets, you get up, you're fully dressed, and you're ready to seize the day. Why? Because Hashem fills up the whole world, and this is how you're supposed to behave. Now, now that you heard this halacha, how many of you are going to start doing this tomorrow? Nobody. So it's a very interesting halacha, right? You're supposed to get up with a lot of excitement, get dressed underneath your blankets, so that when you stand up, you're already dressed and you're not walking around your bedroom in a quote-unquote, not tsenua way, because Hashem fills up the whole world. Now, that's a very interesting halacha, that maybe the reason why most people don't know it is because there's a reason they don't teach it, because nobody does it. What is that halacha teaching? So Rabbi Berkowitz, in his brilliance, he points you to the Mishnah Bura. In the Mishnah Bura, the Chavetz Chaim writes, he says, like us, when we get dressed, we get dressed, and we put on our, our stockings, you know, like our white socks, we put it on underneath our blankets. But however, by the way, even though Hashem fills up the whole world, when you take a shower, you go to the bathhouse, which in those days was public, go ahead, you should not be dressed, you should, go, you should go not dressed, and if you do get dressed, then you're actually in violation of this halacha. What does this all mean? So Rabbi Berkowitz lays out this brilliant idea. It's something called nichbadus. Nichbadus should be the guiding light for every man woman, and child. And I have a little secret for you. Most men are the ones who learn Shulchan Aruch. It's very rare to see a woman sitting down and opening up a Shulchan Aruch and going like, I don't like this halacha here regarding Tzniyas. That's not usually where she gets her information from. This halacha is not talking to women. It's not talking to men. It's talking to everybody. Because Arachayim is a way of life. And what the halacha is saying, and please hear me out, is that every person has a level of dignity, self-respect, that you are required to hold yourself to be. This level of dignity requires you to look at yourself in every situation, whether you're showering, whether you're sleeping, whether you're going swimming, whether you're going for a jog, whether you're playing basketball, and ask yourself, what is my subjective level of dignity? So there's objective things that are, everybody would agree that is just not dignified. And then there's things that even according to who you are, for example, for example, Rabbi Wallerstein, just to bring you into this conversation for a second, if Rabbi Wallerstein would show up here tonight and he'd be wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and all leather or um, denim with like the frills, right? And he would say, listen, I'm wearing a hat, I have shoes on, I'm totally covered. That would be a lack of who he is. Because his self-dignity requires of him to behave in a certain way. And when you go skiing, you dress a certain way. And when you go showering, you you go a certain way. And therefore the halacha is saying it's a subjectivity. Every person has to ask themselves, 
who am I and how can I raise the level of who I am? And Rabbi Berkowitz always says, it's, it's one of his most awesome lines, he says that the greatest thing that a person can own is a mirror. And there's a chiv of every person before they walk out the door to check themselves in the mirror and say to themselves, do I look dignified for who I am? And then the whole conversation about rules and lengths and skirts and shaitals and all of that, it fits into this ashkafa. You do this because you're a dignified person, because you're a respectable person. And just like if you were going for a job interview, you would behave in a certain way, you would speak in a certain way. So this is a halacha bin adam la'atzmai, between you and yourself. Who am I and how do I hold myself? And I have a little secret for you. I once had a meeting with Rav Yashiv, and I once was able to send questions to Rav Yashiv. And I asked Rav Yashiv, is this true? Is a person, this is my question, allowed to do something that is not usher? It is not usher. It's completely mutter. But it's beneath him. It's beneath who he is. Is it permitted or not permitted? And he sent back an answer that you're not allowed to do something like that, you're not allowed to say something like that, and you're not afilu tzitrachten is aser. Even to think something like that is aser. Meaning, what the halacha is, what tzniyas is, there's tzniyas hadibor, there's the way you speak, there's the way you dress, there's the way you think, there's who you are. And I know the words bas melech are allergies, so I'm not going to say that word. <laughs> but, but I will say the idea. That every person has their level of who they are. And when you look in the mirror, you should say, I look good. I look appropriate. I feel dignified. And if you're able to say that, then the whole Tzniya's conversation, hopefully, everything else will fit into this. And this goes for men, and this goes for women. And I think that it's true, that the curriculum is not necessarily teaching us that. It's a bunch of rules, and it's a bunch of tape measures, and that, that throws a lot of people off. And especially when you start bringing in people of the opposite gender, like you can't, men can't wear shorts when they're playing basketball because whatever, or women can't wear this because men, all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, okay, you lost me there. Like, Rabbi, I don't get what you're saying. And I, I don't think that should be where the conversation steers to. It should steer to the idea that every person has a neshama, and your neshama wants to feel dignified. And when you're a baby, there's no dignity. Babies have no dignity. As you get older, you appreciate, I'm a dignified person. The idea, just to throw out a module, like, I don't know how many people in this room would walk around eating a lollipop. You know those jumbo lollipops, like the big ones? How many people in this room would walk, I'm not going to do this, not on camera for sure now, and like lick one of those lollipops in, forget a public setting, even a private setting? (laughs) (laughs) Most people wouldn't do it. You would just say to yourself, I am a dignified person. Just don't do that. I don't eat that lollipop. I'm just, I don't do that. I change... Jump in for one second. Yeah. You and Charlie, I, of course, it's very nice what you said and very powerful, and, and you're not starting up with anyone, and you're not going to get any folks. We are it. smart. Can I just make one comment? <laughs> but, Wait, what's your point? The schools that my kids go to, I love very much. Right. I want to touch your <laughs> I love I what you're doing. Hashem should continue, continue to bless. I'm not really, talking about those schools. They're not continue. really saying what they want to say, because, and I'm not going to either. Um, I don't talk on sneers. It's, it's, it's a woman's subject. I'm not a woman. I don't know the struggle. It's a struggle, and I don't understand the struggle, and I don't talk about stuff I don't understand. So I'm not getting into it, but let me just, th- this dignity thing. So a girl, after this year, a lady's going to get up, and I, I deal in business with very dignified buyers in business who wear um, pantsuits. You know, not tight pants. Pant- they, they look very professional. Now, 
when you say that Tznius is because you need to be dignified, when you look in the mirror, there will be girls that will say, I look in the mirror, I am dressed, dignified, I'm wearing a pantsuit, the pants are loose, they're not tight. So you, once you start using the word dignified, then you're leaving everyone to make a choice. What does it mean to look dignified? Okay, like, so we're not, we're not, we can't, we're not giving a halacha, we, ha, ha, we're not going through the right, halacha. So we have to be very careful, For because sure. then everyone can decide what they feel is dignified. For sure. You know? So, so yeah. everybody, let's go back to question let's number just one. Say everyone should have this. a rabbi in their life. <laughs> this entire night is about the rabbi. Right, let's not, let's not get it. I don't think we, this is a subject we quest- that we should be talking about as guys. No, I think the perspectives are good. I Just the question I, is... It, dignified is nice, but what does that word mean? Right, what does that word mean? Can we go what to the question mean? over here to the right over here? Charlie's list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, 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 no, no, I, I can... Not I, old schools. I, I'll, 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 I'll explain to you why I think that is. I think that... Well, I don't know if I should say these. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, let's just... Seven is going to be very upset that we're talking about SNES. Oh, yeah? It's okay. not our business. It's not my business to talk about SNES, and I, love, I really... I'm not I in any way... I'm not, I'm not in any way... I'm not in any way suggesting that I would change a curriculum, right? I'm not a curriculum expert, and I think a lot of the schools doing an amazing job. Um, and I n- in no way would know how to do a better job than them. I can tell you personally, my girls go to school that I, I'm not kidding. They're I, not throwing them out. All right, it's okay. You're good. I'm, you're good. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying honestly, I, my girls go to a school that I, I adore, I don't like, I absolutely and utterly adore. Um, I think in general, the way we look at schooling is a little unfair. When you're, when you're educating kids, children don't have capacity necessarily for levels of depth that adults do. And when kids go to standard schools and you're educating lots and lots of children, a lot of time th- there's a, there's a, a emphasis on the the how, because in many ways it is the foundation of the why. But what happens to us is that as we get into the world of how, we get so lost in the how that we on our own stop asking why. And so we're like waiting for them to teach us the why, when in, when in truth the why is really our job. It's a big deal with the Muna. You see people that are from, some of them, they, they haven't, I don't know, found Hashem. But they're fully from. <coughs> so they're doing everything right, and they'll say things like, I don't feel like I'm connected to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. It must be the system's fault. It's not the system's fault. We just expect the system to teach us everything. No, we ha- the system is teaching them sort of the why, and it's really incumbent on the individual to fight to find out the, the how and to fight the why. So the basis is set for how to live one's life. If we spend the first five years of someone's life in this world of dignity and self-respect, you can see like an entire world building around it that, 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 that creates ambiguity. If you live in a world where they're teaching you how stuff works, and you're able to navigate the rules of the game, so to speak, 
then hopefully as one gets older, they start going, well, why do we, this, why do, we do this in the first place? And what happens many times to us is that we get lost in this treadmill of life. You know, the brain's a fascinating tool. And one of the things that the brain does for us is that it keeps us in the game of all times. If anyone has ever once heard a story of somebody that, you know, is now fine and along the way got sick and you can find yourself being emotional about it, even though you know they're fine, or it's because the brain finds a way of staying in the weeds and it's hard to pull back and see the picture. And so sometimes in life when you see somebody educate through a regular schooling system that's doing a good job and they go through life the treadmill turns up and they just, they're just going they're just on the treadmill and they never stop to say well why am I dominating why am I doing so as a result the real years where your brain can handle things that are deep those are the years where we're just, we're just running 24 hours a day that we just stopped asking those questions so I was, I was almost saying it like half in jest at the way I would do it but the truth is, and it is connected to the first piece, the idea that we have to take ownership of our Judaism is serious business. Like, we can't pass the buck and say, they should have taught me, or it's someone's fault. At the end of the day, we're not living in the world where I can only walk 20 miles in each direction, and I have never met anybody outside the people that are around me. We're living in a world where you could learn almost anything you need to learn. And of course, it's better to learn it with someone's face. I get that. But when it comes to these things, if, if you're unsatisfied with what you have right now, no one's going to give it to you. You've got to go out and take it. You've got to be Yaakov. You've got to go out and say, I'm going to go out and search for myself because there's no chance, there's no chance that the creator of the universe miss this one. Or, like I've heard all the time, the rabbis are a bunch of fill-in-the-blank, and so they didn't get this. Like, you gotta, we gotta, and if you have that mentality, then I think what ends up happening is, with the schooling of how, you fill the bucket of why, and you're able to really bring them together. But there's not always a why, and that's part of Judaism. And my answer to you, Shana, is you gotta accept there are things called chukim, in, in our Torah, and being a Jew, not always why. And therefore, when you're going to teach Sneus, and you're going to say what we said here tonight, there will be many girls that will say, well, if I cut my hair short, it's much less attractive than a long shaitel. So a sh- once you start reasoning, everybody's going to have their own halachas. There, there are halachas... It talks about covering your hair by, by the site there, that they're uncovered right here. That's how we know. There are bunnum with very clearly what sneas is, what it isn't. Once you start giving speeches and then how you walk and how you talk and all that. So then, listen, I had a girl that said to me, I'm, I'm getting a tattoo. I said, you can't get a tattoo. She said, I can get a tattoo. It's my body. It's my body. And, and she had all these reasons. And, and girls do makeup and they do things, right, to change how they look. So today, in the days of the Torah, it was talking not art. Today, tattoo is art. And therefore, you're making your body more beautiful. And I said, great. But the Torah says, not, no reasons. You can't have a tattoo. So it's very nice to sit here and give you all reasons and, and all this stuff. At the end of the day, being a Jew is not always understanding. There are more chukim in the Torah 
than the Ramesh Patim. Sometimes you just got to say, God wrote this. This is my manual in the, in the glove compartment. And it's hard. It's very hard. It's very nice to come in here and make everything nice and explain everything to all you guys. But sometimes, you know what? It's not the why. It's, you know why? Because the Torah says it. It's hard, Charlie. I know that. Let, let me it's just, hard let me in just a world qualify of, this for a second. Before we go, we, yeah. Let me just qualify this because this is important. And, so and, good we didn't talk about this. Yeah. I thought this was going to be. No, a we're not talking about sneers. Right. We're not talking about. I, I'm not talking about the sneers. Let, let me let me qualify what the rabbi. What is and what isn't? That's not not what I want to talk about. I don't think. Let's let's just sort of let's let's split these hairs. There's no question <laughs> that the approach that one should take is not when I figure it out right. and it makes sense to me. Then and only then will I adopt what the rabbi. Okay. Let's just put that off the table. None of us are. are ad- I am sure yeah. that the holy rabbi to my my right is not saying I feel dignified, and so as a result, now oh, right. cross. I'm sorry. It didn't, that's not being even remotely suggested. I, what I am trying to suggest, at least, is the pr- approach that you take in your life when it comes to Judaism, which is you're in. My opinion, Naaseh. I'm totally in. And by the way, let's be straight. I don't know what's everything about Yiddishkeit. I'm not picking which I, what I like. And by the way, sometimes I call my Rav, and I'm like, I know for sure the answer is right. And he's like, go left. And I'm like, really? So our job is to turn to the creator of the world and go, I'm in. Naseh, I'm in. No, no, I'm in. If I never get it, I'm still in. But it is also very much to not say, well, I don't understand it, and I don't do it. It's just my life. If it bothers me, I can push for something to understand the depths of something without that drive to understand what I'm doing going to in any way risk me dropping it at the doorstep. All I'm suggesting to everyone here is that if you walk away with something, walk away with the understanding that everything that you're going through in Yiddishkeit is thoughtful. There is no moment where it's just because. We may never get there, but it is the journey of trying to understand what the Kaddish Baruch Hu wants of us that makes Judaism so exciting. It's waking up in the morning and going, I don't know what I do this, but I know there's got to be some reason, and I may never know the reason. But it's okay, because I'm fighting for the reason. And there's perspectives that I gain along the way. And there's benefits that I gain along the way. And there's a maybe I can tap into some level of wisdom that I never thought before. And in doing that, there's like an opening. Like the way we're, the way the rabbi just explained his Rebbe Taich Apasuya, you could almost see him jumping out of his skin. That's the joy of what we're here for. It's not to like figure out the rules and like once God's happy with us, we're good to go. So I am in no way saying pick and choose. What I am saying is even things that make no sense understand that there's sense. And Why? Even, because God told you to do it. There's no question Nasa starts out. everything. Or don't stop at Nasa. Fight for Nishma. Fight to hear, to understand, to be aware, to be perceptive. Be Jews. We should all be Zohar, be Jews that are thoughtful. That we, we don't just, we take it because we're committed to it. But we don't stop at that doorstep. And many times, by the way, that's really where you find your passion. You figure stuff out that you didn't know why it would happen, and when you figure it out, even if it's not the answer, if it's an answer, you now have a tfisa in Torah that you can, that's yours, and you feel like, wow, this thing makes sense. 
And if you never had a moment in your life where something bothered you in Torah and you asked around and you got your answer and you're like, oh, you never really tasted the joy of being able to be part of a system that is spiritual, that is brilliant, that allows there for there to be so much to swim through so that along the way, even if you don't get to the destination, the journey is fun. That's what I, I think is important to get across here. And in no way am I suggesting that if you want to do something that's violating Torah, then it's okay. The that's not even in my world. It becomes what I feel is dignified. I'm just dignified. No, it's objective. Yeah. I'm right. just trying and to push towards right. depth. For sure. Away from the ortho robots that, we're get, that sometimes that's we can fall else. into. That's not serving Hashem. I okay. agree with you. But there's some, uh, there's some things we don't understand. We still have to do it because There's no question. Because right. if Hashem tells me to do it, it's good we for agree. me. Uh, right. Yes, yes. It's good for me. All right. Ask him. All right. So I'm I agree. I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm not I'm arguing with you. I'm just ad, ad-libbing. <laughs> all right. We do have other questions that were submitted, but it is late, and this is an opportunity for a wrap round. Uh, ask any questions, Multiple share any thoughts. Um, if I start with another question, that'll be it for you, and that'll be it for the night. So. Yeah, let's I'm go going to, the to crowd. drop these and open the floor to pretty much everybody here. Um, feel free. Anybody has questions? Don't be so bashful. Seriously. Should I ask one of these? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. All right. So, the, fi- we'll so, go to these. so the final question. All right. I'll do a light one. All right, this would be a, a, an easy one. I hope. He set us up for that one. Marasain and Domnikovskos. What do you guys think of me setting off any alarm bells? Okay. I'll do Domnikovskos. All right. <laughs> I heard something that blew me away. You see, keep on asking. Are seemingly contradictory. Why should you not be able to walk into a McDonald's, grab a Coke, use the restroom without fearing that another Jew will see you and assume you're there for a cheeseburger? We're taught to always be down the yet we're also told to be conscious of mm. other people assuming otherwise. Okay, let's. Let, be, uh, it's, it's a good question. It's complicated, but let's let's go for oh. the down the part. Why why do we have to be down the What's the reason for it? So there's a lot of reasons, but I want to give you one that I heard that blew me away. It changed literally my perspective. So like everything in Yiddishkeit, and this is so critical to understand, there's multiple layers of everything. There's like a good idea, there's like a vart, then they get into like panemius. You, you, you keep on swimming down there, you'll find that in the bottom of that ocean is brilliant stuff. So listen to the, what, the take of the Baal Shem. Where does Kafschus come from? So this, I, I heard in the name of the Baal Shem. Listen to this. Changed my life. One of the greatest men of all time is a man, a man named Nassan Hanavi. Everyone know who he is? Yeah. Nassan Hanavi was given the hardest job maybe in the history of all prophets. He had to go tell David HaMelech and <coughs> sinned. Musa. This is not like, by the way, you messed. This is David HaMelech, right? And, 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 and for those who know the sugya, it's not so posh. It's a whole arichas, what happened. What does he do? Noah Weinberg speaks about this as the core to public speaking. He does the ultimate straw man. He walks in and tells him a story. There's a guy, got a lot of sheep. One guy's got one. He puts him in the bed. It's like a daughter to him. 
He got the last stuff, takes the middle stuff, pulls it away from him. And David is so upset at the guy who's got all this cattle taken. Can you imagine? It was Chayef. Paskins. Nelson goes, really? Let me tell you what's behind door number one. Your life. You had all these wives. Got down the block. You saw Bathsheba. Right? Remember this? Everyone remember the story? And he uses the straw man to get David to Paskin on himself. If you're ever in a conversation with somebody and you want to get a point across, what most people do is they go right to the jugular. Don't do that. Tell them a story. Let them see it for themselves. And then what ends up happening is they poskin on the story and you reveal that the story you're telling them about really is the story you want to get across. Okay. Watch how this works. The Baal Shem Tov says, the Gemara teaches us that when a person dies, when he gets up to Shemayim, they go through his entire life. Everything that happened to them, good, bad, and ugly. And you, on the bottom, they say, was it totally right? Was, the, was this totally fair? You look at it in Shemayim, in this perspective, and you sign that the base thing that brought you your life was a completely and utterly fair. How do you know this? Let's listen to how this works. Throughout your life, the Kodesh Baruch Hu gives you scenarios. But I want you to see them as straw men. You did something in your life. Maybe in heaven they're judging you right now. But is it, are you chayev? Are you guilty or are you innocent? You know who the judge of that is? You. You know how they, t- how they know how you judge? They give you a scenario that looks just like you, but you can't recognize it. It's the straw man. You see someone doing something and right away what's happening is that scenario looks totally different but that scenario is actually what you may be being judged on right now that happened five years earlier. God runs this world and he's awesome. He puts in front of you scenarios that are your trial every second and then you judge. Can you believe what she did? Chayef. God goes, ah, Perfect. You know, there's a raya for this. It says when you get to close to Yom HaDin, you know what the Chazal teaches as a trick to have a good judgment, what it teaches you to do? Anybody know? When you see something, you're supposed to go, you're supposed to go beyond yourself. You know why? Because there's a Mida Kinegemi taking place in heaven. What you're doing here and what's happening up there, whatever that means, is interconnected. The next time, and this is why, by the way, Lashon Hara is. The reason why Lashon Hara is such a big deal is not because like God is trying to like clamp down your life and you can't have fun. Because what's happening in Lashon Hara is basically you're issuing the proclamation of your own judgment. So when you say Lashon Hara, basically you're saying the scenario that was me, I'm now poskening. You're the judge. The reason why Kafschus is so critical in life, A, it's because it makes you a good person. Aleph. Right? And you're supposed to, and Hashem likes you, and you get credits, and you get a sweet in Shemaim after you die. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you get down to the core, the Baal Shem is telling you in the world of spirituality, because that's how the spiritual world works. When you go into this world, and you look around, and you see something that makes no sense, and you give somebody the benefit of the doubt, in Shemaim they go, I guess we got to give her or him the benefit of the doubt on this one too. We paskin them. Me the kinegami, the exactly. So when you think about Kafskos, remember it's for you, it's not for them. I want you to remember this in life. As you get closer to all the panemius, you'll realize that most of what Hashem wants you to do is for you, not for anybody else.
between me and you? Why is it that we have to worry about how we look? I think it goes back to the first thing, my personal opinion. Of course it does. We also go back to say the Chorab. That's what the whole thing is doing about. Ruben, this is my personal opinion. I'm just giving you my... This is a question. There's a famous question that whoever's asking this. This is a... It's a famous question. How okay. You, how do yeah. you have both? Well, what were you saying? I was going to say, in my personal opinion, was that you don't realize who we are. And you don't realize your influence. And Reuben here learned about life from soup. And Wallace, he learned from life from a squeegee. Because in many ways, you learn from life from life. I think actually listening to the, your explanation of... of, of uh, and how you're actually affecting yourself, introducing Maris Ayin is taking away you putting that person in that situation where they could yeah. pass judgment on it. Potentially, themselves. technically. No? The, the, what, what I, mean, I, if I, I want to give like answer, a hashkafag about it. There's an answer okay. given to this. And I, I, all, my, all I'm saying is that I want us to realize that we don't appreciate who we are. And when someone walks in and does something, I think people look very differently. I can tell you personally from the business world, I'm think, as funny as thinking about this this morning in the car, there was once a scenario where they called me in to help out with a certain real estate transaction. And the guy happened to be a from guy, and it went in a way that wasn't exactly Bedarko Hayasha. And the guy who brought me in was a wonderful guy. He wasn't a Jewish guy. He never let me live it down. He never let he never let me live it down. Like he never ever said like. He always reminded me of the guy with the yarmulke. That did. And in real estate, sometimes when you have tenants and you're buying buildings and you're knocking buildings down, and there are lots of people in lots of nations that do stuff that isn't a hundred percent. He never brought that one up to me, and it's not because I'm part of the tribe. I believe in my core. It's because we got to appreciate who we are. We're in a Christ. And sometimes when you're doing something that is totally technically okay, you look to your right, you look to your left, and sometimes if someone's looking, they can take something from it. I don't look at it from the perspective of somebody else. It's, it's the self-actualization and a chryas. Both in what I use with my eyes and both in what I represent to people that I'm, I don't even know are watching me. I defer to the, the rabbi to my left. Answer to the question is there—it's a paradox, right? Because if I'm going into eating a Burger King, but the answer is the person you have to. Everyone in this room, you have to be down the but you don't have a right, and it really connects to what he's saying. You don't have a right to put another person in a position where he won't be down the and then he's going to get messed up in Shemayim. So you on yourself have to work to be down the but if you go into a Burger King and someone sees Rabbi Walton in a Burger King and he's like, he, secretly he eats treif, so I just put him in a position where he's now going to get smacked in Shemai and whatever it is. I don't have the Mitchell. I don't have a right to do to go on a train on Shabbos, right, and say, well, you have to be down the chus. It's on you. No, I'm putting you in a position now that to think badly, to think that I did the wrong thing, and I don't have a right to do that. So they're not opposite of each other. It's bidan l'chavzchus for you. You judge everyone favorably. But don't put another person in a position where they can judge you unfavorably. You don't have a right to do that. That's Marasayim. You're right. He's wrong for what he's doing, that he, that he thinks you're eating trace. 
but but you put him in that position. And now, according to what Charlie's saying, he failed, and in Shemayim he's going to get whacked. And and, and that's that's you know, and and that's me. The connecting God is very into me. The connecting meaning each 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 person. This is. It's, you're asking from two sides of the coin, and it's really one side of the coin. Right, right. It's every person has to be down the cuffs close, right. and every person has to avoid... Maritime. Avoid making right. someone else... It's, it's talking about you, and I think up. that, I think, just, we're not circling back to anything here, just, just to say an idea, is that... Say the Yeah, right. Say the Is that, just a simple idea, is that what most it's people it's do it's when they're in any situation is that they, they will go ahead and they'll blame somebody else. Meaning, very, 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 very few people say the words, I'm sorry, with real sincerity, where they feel like they did something wrong. So when you do something wrong, it's always like, well, you should have, or you could have, or whatever. So when I could do something wrong, and you have a chiv to be down the cuffs close. No, no, no. Right. You have a chiv to not avoid to Mara Zayin, and you have position. a chiv, the same person also has a chiv to be down the cuffs close. That's it. That's where it starts, and that's where, that's where it ends. Because right the person's obligation starts and ends with himself. And not to figure out what other people's chiyuvim are towards your actions. You have to be a tzaddik. Right, you have to be a tzaddik and judge me. Exactly. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Thanks, everybody. We have a minion from Ireland. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.